Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. The church is growing. It's important for people to come in, new people, every week. There's a verse, a parable where Jesus said that we must go out into the highways and the byways and compel people to come. You know the parable? And the word compel there is a Greek word, anakazo. Anakazo literally means you do your best to persuade them. It's, it's a power of persuasion because you know what you're bringing them to. It's like when you have a good thing, you must share it. Right? And so Jesus said, and you know what he said? Compel them to come in. He makes this statement that my house might be filled. He says that my house might be filled. And when you have a good thing, you will want to share it. In that context, he said to the servants, go out into every highway and byway. In other words, mainstream and the side roads, highway and byway. Explore every possibility for bringing people into my house. Today, it's so much easier with social media. We don't let you literally go. You cannot come to something you don't know about. And I want to encourage us. Social media makes it so easy for us today. You don't have to go in the hot sun and do these things. Just a click of a finger and the whole world can know about something. So I want to encourage you to use every platform. I want to quote the scripture. Go into the highway and the byway and compel people that my house might be filled. Let me say, the church today is going to become what people need. It's going to become the answer to life's problems. People are going to stream to the mountain of the house of the Lord and say, teach us your ways. We don't want a full house just to grow the church for numbers sake. We are convinced this is the answer. And if you have the answer, you know, you need to invite people to the answer. Amen. Uh, how many of you are glad to be here? You're glad to be here. How many of you want others to be here? Yes, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And I really want to encourage you. Um, at the end of your journey with us in the church, at least be responsible for convincing others to come to this house. It's a biblical principle. Andrew convinced Peter to, be, to come meet Jesus. It wasn't for Andrew. You don't hear much about Andrew in the scripture. You see Peter in the forefront on the day of Pentecost. But take Andrew out of the equation. There's no Peter. Sometimes we may not always be at the forefront, but we could be the connecting factors. Just connect and step back and see what God does. Amen? Connect, step back, and see what God does. You know, we had a powerful, I can't tell you, uh, a Skype Bible study with the International Sons yesterday afternoon. I just felt the presence of the Lord. And they were in the office there with us. And we spoke. And even uh, some of them commented on how awesome the time of engagement was um, yesterday. And uh, I want to encourage you, uh, be relentless. Be diligent. Continue. Continue. Just serving the Lord and, and doing the work of the Lord. You never ever know um, what effect and what impact your diligence in God is having. Right? Um, be not weary in well-doing, Galatians says. We become weary sometimes, eh? And you want to give up on a process. But don't, don't become weary in well-doing. 
You must not faint, as the manner of some are, but they that endure to the end shall be saved. We are an end community. We endure until we, we get results. Amen? So would you compel people? Can you hear the sound of an abundance of rain? God can only give increase if you create an environment to receive. So my thing is, we need to create an environment to receive the increase. So the, the emphasis on things like oneness, community, is very important to me. So when people come, they come into a culture. They come into an environment of love. Okay? And I'll, I'll point out that to you in a moment. Amen? But can I ask the church, are you going to anakazo? Maybe the English doesn't work. Let me use Greek. Are you going to anakazo? Like the Greek. Jesus, go into the highways and byways and compel them to come. Anakazo. Right? You persuade them because you know what you're bringing them to. And in your mind, their coming is going to be so beneficial for them. You're not like reluctant for them to come. Say, so if you want a good thing, here's it. Right? And you must be proud of your church. Proud in a good sense. You know, you must be happy. I've got a good family. Tell them we have a good family. And so when we have something good, you want to bring people to something good and let them share in it. Not so? Amen. So tell your neighbor, anakazo the people. Anakazo. Right? Compel the people to come. Compel them to come into the highways. From the highways and the byways. Facebook, Twitter, whatever social uh, media platform you are on. Use every occasion. Email, WhatsApp. Um, to, to bring, to share um, what we are promoting. Amen. So we're going to start. I'm going to share with you just one thought today. It'll probably spill over into Wednesday when we meet again, but it's, I think, a critical thought. I will spend today and possibly next, next week and sum up this whole idea of favor because a whole lot of other issues I need to start teaching. We have been speaking in the past few weeks on the favor of the Lord as an expression of the grace of God. I said to you, I have become convinced that this season is one of great favor. That we are favored is part of our, of our destiny, if you would, as the sons of God. You are favored because you are a son. There's no incompatibility uh, between son of God and favor of God. If you are a son, you are favored. Part of your constitution is that God is my father. He's, I'm loved and liked by Him extremely intensely. And so when I walk in the earth, so long as I maintain image and likeness, dominion, fruitfulness, bounty, uh, provision, protection, preservation, all of these things will naturally come to me by virtue of my sonship identity. I've just got to focus on being a good son and maintaining the image of God in me. And then it's like a force field of attraction where everything in the created universe will gravitate towards me concerning the goodness of the Lord. Right? It's factored into the DNA of creation. That creation, when it sees sun, when sun stands in creation, everything God put in creation will be released to the sun to come to the aid of the sun as the sun represents his God in creation and fulfills the purpose of his God in creation. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, a son is highly favored. I listened to the favor series, which I want to encourage you to do. 
Um, the next one will probably be out in two weeks' time to complete this complement of messages on the, the favor of the Lord. But I was very, very blessed as I listened to it in the car playing over. Do you all have a copy of that favor CD? Yes? Favor CD? Some of you don't have a copy by the looks of things, right? I want to encourage you. It's critical listening. You cannot just hear the word of God once. Now, please, brethren, I want to encourage you. I'm your father in the faith, and I say that without apology. This congregation builds by the principle of fathering and sonship. I taught you that great grace comes to a son in the relationship to a father. When the word is transmitted, the grace and favor you seek is locked up in the words from that father in God. One listening will not cut it. One listening to one sermon will not give to you the requisite grace that you need to be successful in life. You cannot just hear a sermon once. You have to hear it twice. I'm listening to myself three, four times. It's not myself I'm listening to. I'm listening to the word that God is releasing through me to me. Right? And I'm finding, God, wow, I was listening this week. Wow, God, that's a key. I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to master that thing. Wow, that's another key. Thank you. I'm going to master that. And favor is going to, to come to my life. Okay? I told you last time the best investment you can make is an MP3 player at home. And make sure that the radio in your car can play MP3s. When you're driving, you're listening to the word of the Lord. Guess what? Your spirit has been saturated with word, word, word. And grace comes. And by that economy... The favor that is yours in Christ will be granted to you. Amen? Amen. So tell you to listen more than once. Now, I want to, I've said this before, but some of us are not doing it. You know, let me just say this. The people that I know that do this, the people that I know that do this, are having the kind of fruit that comes from the activity. And the people that give it scant attention are not having the kind of fruit. Then we wonder why. Listen to me, brethren. I beg you, listen to the subtle things I ask you to do. If you only listen, you will get results that God's word can bring to you. But if you don't listen, you're not going to get the results. Obedience is a, is a critical requirement in this season. Amen? So I want to encourage you, in Paul's language, he says, I beseech you, brethren. By the mercies of God. And I want to encourage you. It simply takes one act of obedience to recruit a whole abundance of favor to you. And so there were a range of, a range of factors we've isolated. I think in the past now almost 12 or 13 sessions of teaching on the favor of God. Whereby I have isolated certain uh, points which when obeyed will recruit unto you the favor of God. One of those that I find so powerful is what I want to stress today. I told you yesterday afternoon, I shared this via the church WhatsApp group. I was praying in the afternoon, just before we started the Skype Bible studies. And I had, I just prayed for about an hour. I've been listening to God. I've been practicing what we call listening prayer, where I quiet my soul. Stop my activity, and I listen to the Lord, and I pray simultaneously. 
And the Lord said to me, pray impartation over your people. Three anointings. An anointing for understanding. An anointing for peace. And an anointing for community. So I spent the next half an hour praying for you. And saying, God, give the people an impartation to understand. Do you know it's possible? There's an impartation to understand. In Luke 24, it says Jesus opened their understanding. Paul prayed, for Ephesians 1.18, I pray that your understanding will be enlightened. Okay? Sometimes you can't see a thing. But let me just say this to you. Everyone look at me. Listen to me carefully. From this point on, you will understand. I declare that over you. No more are you going to leave here saying, I don't know what he's talking about. Or I can concur to the facts of the truth. But I've never internalized it into the fabric of my spirit. You know what the Bible says? A good understanding have all they that do your commandments. Psalm 111 verse 10. When do you understand? You understand when you do the commandments. The failure to obey reflects an inability to have understood. So I declare to you, you will understand. Amen? Come on, say yes. Come on, say I receive that. You will understand. Not only when I speak, when any of the apostles, Pastor Thamel, Dr. Segu, any other minister of Christ teaches God's word, you will understand. There's an anointing for understanding. It's not something that you, that you need to well up. It's something given to you by, given to you by God. You know what the Bible says about Lydia, which I'll talk about in a moment. It says... She, was, she heard the words of Paul preaching there by the river. Remember? When Paul first went to Philippi, he met this lady. She was amongst a group of ladies. And he ministered. And the Bible says, And the Lord opened the heart of Lydia. And she received the things that were said by Paul. Let me just say this. If God doesn't open your mind, nothing's going to happen. So I pray the Lord will open your heart. Open your under. Standing. Remember to two on the road to Emmaus? What did he do? The Bible says he opened their understanding to understand the scriptures. Something supernatural. Then an anointing for peace. May the peace of God rest with all of you. I declare that God's peace will be your portion. Huh? You will not be anxious for anything. The peace of God will be your portion. Tell your neighbor, be calm. I declare peace to every one of you. Peace is impartable. Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father. As grace is impartable, so is peace, so is mercy. I declare to you the peace of God. Peace in your homes. Peace in your mind. Even now. Peace from every anxious thought. I declare that you... Uh, the, the Bible calls Jesus that He's a peace speaker. There's a verse in, I think it's Isaiah somewhere. It says, and He will speak peace. You know what Jesus even said? When you go to different cities... And you come to a home that is worthy of your peace. Leave your peace there. Declare your peace. If the home is not worthy, take your peace back and go. Yeah. Huh? I'm telling you, peace is impartable. I declare peace to all of you. Peace of God, keep your heart and mind in the knowledge. But there's one thing which I want to teach on today. It's the grace for community. Which I believe must be worked at. But I believe it's an anointing. It's a grace configuration that we can receive. I'm going to pray for it in a moment. So I'm going to build your faith up to trust God for it. Yes? Everyone say community. And when, when, you, when you get this right, for me, you know, I've, I've heard all the messages on favor, right? I've been listening to them in this week. I've edited all that should go on the next CD for favor. 
I'm waiting for this one to be completed today, possibly Wednesdays and possibly Sundays, and we'll put it on the next favor CD. And I looked at all the factors that make for the favor of God. And I'm telling you, this one for me is the most powerful, powerful key for favor. Let me give you the scriptural backdrop. Acts 2, 42. Acts 2, 42 to 47. Read this and please follow with me intensely. Acts 2, 42 to 47. Now it says the following. They were continually, can I send on here rather so we can, you can read off there. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to, or teaching, and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. The King James uses the word, the plural prayer is here. It uses the term apostolic doctrine for apostles, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. We call this four pillars of an apostolic community. What did the early church focus on? Four things. The apostles' doctrine, right? Apostles' doctrine. That is doctrine developed by apostles. Not pastor's doctrine, not evangelist's doctrine. A teacher's doctrine, doctrine formulated by apostles. I don't have time to teach in that now. Then it says to fellowship, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Fellowship is not a social. You don't have a social and say we're going to have fellowship. The social might create the conditions for fellowship, but not because you've socialized have you had fellowship. Don't confuse socializing with fellowship. Fellowship, koinonia, is the sharing or the exchange of the life of Christ from one to the other. Your socialization can com create conditions for it, but you can socialize without having it. Right? So I'll talk more to that in a moment. And then breaking of bread, which we do, it's not just communion. I really believe it also be alludes to the breaking of the word of the Lord. And then to prayer, and we must restore prayer and prayers to the church, to the body of Christ. Verse 43 says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. You know, when I read this, I said, God, bring this back to the church. Please, God, bring this back to the church where we come to fellowship one with the other. And <sighs> everyone say, <sighs> you know, how do you describe awe? Awe and wonder. Ah, this is so good. This feels right. Come on, is this an ah moment for you? Is this place awe and wonder? Or is it, oh my God, it's church. It's that time. Must I go to this group, this bunch of people on a Sunday and, and listen for two hours? I hope it's not that, right? Oh, when you contemplate, David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us Go to the house. Everyone say, oh. When you think about coming, you must say, oh, can't wait. Oh, and wonder. You know what? There was a sense of awe. Oh, I want to, I pray that God bring back the sense of awe. Oh, back to the community of the saints of God. Where you love the body of Christ so much, you cannot wait to see each other. Because you know the possibilities that are going to well up from within the community of the saints of God. 
Okay? They felt a sense of awe. And many wonders, and let me just say this, many wonders and signs were taking place through the, through the apostles. I believe the signs and wonders were created from a context. They were never created outside of culture. God said to me, you get the culture right, I will take care of the signs and wonders. You see, signs and wonders were not done in a vacuum. There was apostles' doctrine, which we do teach apostolic doctrine. There was fellowship, the exchange of the life of Christ one to the other. There was breaking of bread, the celebration. And breaking of bread is not just like what we did just now, to celebrate a, a ceremony. The ceremony points to a greater reality. The greater reality, Paul says, before you do this, discern the body of, of Christ lest you partake of the emblems in an unworthy fashion. You need no brains to, to, to realize that what you partook is baker's cracks. And the juice you drank is grape juice. Right? You don't need no discernment for that, right? So when, does it say, when it says discern the body, it's not saying discern the emblems. The emblems are symptomatic of a greater reality. Who's the body of Christ? Come on. We are, right? So when it says you must rightly discern the body, it means rightly discern your brother. Rightly discern each other. And you so worthily partake of his body. You see, yes, we remember his death, but we're celebrating the current representation of the body of Christ in the earth today, which is the church. You are the body of Christ. Right? When we, we celebrate communion, the union is common. I don't come in with individuality, with isolationist mentality, selfishness, self-centered. I come in understanding I'm part of a bigger whole. I celebrate the Lord's body of which I am a member and his family. Okay? And so God said to me this. If you bring back the culture, watch. The culture will establish awe and wonder, and I will take care of the miraculous. And let me just say this. We are going to experience signs and wonders. We already started, by the way. I'll share with you a few testimonies in a moment. Signs and wonders that leave you, oh, oh. Next time you're tempted when God blows your mind, when he does something, and you're tempted to say, ah, say, oh. Someone said, what's that? Say, awe and wonder. <laughs> Awe. <laughs> Awe, God. <laughs> God came through. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, who's ready for awe and wonder? Amen. Right? You know, this transition of the church is difficult for us as a family because 6 o'clock in the morning, my car is packed. I get up hoppers 5, by 6, all the equipment is packed in the car. It's taxi. So if you get these two ready... Most times cook a whole meal before we leave. Be here by 20 past eight, set up, so we can have a successful service. But you know what keeps me going? Besides my commitment to God and my love for you, to create an environment in which spiritual transactions can, be, can take place. I'm saying, God, the service is not unto men. The service is unto you. Check my heart out. The service is unto to you. And I'm creating an environment where you can transact with us spiritually. God always needs environment. Nothing just happens in a vacuum. Yes. Right? Most of you came here today and things were already set up. Things were in place, right? 
But you know, it took someone to think about how we're going to generate this. Okay? My point is, the point, the principle is simple. You create the context. God just needs the context created. That's the work of deacons. Create a context and God comes through mightily. God, when he, when he made everything, he didn't put man or make man first. He took six days to create environment. The, the earth, the planets took six days. At the end of the sixth day, he made man. He never made man before he made the context in which man would be placed. Amen. Similarly, you, you see, the Holy Spirit first filled the house before he filled the people. Acts 2. It says the Holy Spirit filled the room where they were, or the house where they were. Then the Holy Spirit filled the people. Question, what was filled, per, what was filled first? People or context? Context, right? That was brick and mortar, right? This was a physical house in the day of Pentecost. But the word house is oikos. Everyone say oikos. Oikos in the Greek alludes to quality of relationships. Father over sons, where sons celebrate brotherhood. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to fill the natural house. The Holy Spirit wants to fill the quality of relationships in the house. Huh? You see, you want to fill a building. You want to come into this room in greater measure. It's not the house you want to fill. It's the brother. It's the quality of relationships that exist in the house. From our understanding, is that, is he, that is what he wants to fill. Okay? So, please, if you're listening, he who has an ear this morning, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to you. That's a key. If, you, if I were you, I'd just, Lord, I'm seeing so much now, I can leave the building now, and I'm going to focus on creating environment, creating room, creating context. That context I create is my attitude to brothers. If I get that context right, there's nothing that God will not fill it with. Right? Get the context right. Then it says, okay, go on, verse 44. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. My new favorite word is communality. Everyone say it with me, communality. Come on, say it again, communality. That all things in in common, the Bible says. Communality means the state or condition of being communal. A feeling or spirit of cooperation and belonging arising from the common interests and goals of people. Watch. A feeling or spirit of cooperation and belonging arising from common interests or goals. The early church had this culture, environment that God filled. There were signs and wonders, and there was great awe and wonder. Yes, the amazing things, amazing thing about this culture, everything was held in common. There was communality. Um, there was a sense of cooperation. Everyone say cooperation. This is not communism that Karl Marx purported. This is communism or commune, communality. We, are, we, we don't think isolationist. We don't think self-centered. But we always think they were together, it says, in one place, right? They were together. And we hold all things in common, right? The next verse actually explains it. 
They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as everyone might have need. Now that's a powerful expression of communality. It exists where this, watch, nobody considers anything as a personal, private possession. But because he's part of a communal structure, if there's a need in the structure, the early church, individuals there, had no issues selling something to get the proceeds of the sale of that and to use the proceeds of that sale to meet the needs of someone in the community. I've never seen this done on the scale that God intends it to be done like I saw it in the early church. L let me just say this. When we get to this level, brethren, when we get here, you're going to see something break forward. Go to the next verse. Day by day continuing how? With one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Next verse. Praising God and having what? Come on, say favor. So I think when I understand the scriptures, I want favor. Say, God, give me favor. Give me favor. If I want favor with all the people, it now it's not just an individual quest for favor. I want this favor to be experienced by everybody. So I must be corporate in my thinking. Right? So it says that favor with all the, all the people. So watch, there was, there was overt concern for the needs of others. Right? There was one heart and one mind. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's a very, very powerful uh, portion of Scripture. Day by day those that were being saved. Now, I want to challenge you with a few thoughts. Who would like this? To be part of a community, communal culture where there was not one needy one among them. It's a powerful thing to say. But you know what? Where did the answer to the needs come? It came from with amongst them. Yeah? It did not come from God outside of them. It came from within the house. Your miracle is in the house. Some people cannot see this yet. Your miracle lies in your attitude towards your brothers. Your miracle lies in your, the zeal with which you pursue oneness in the house. Your miracle lies within your passion with which you pursue love for the body of Christ. I'm guaranteeing you, if you center your heart in regards to that, there's no telling the degree of favor that God will cause to rest upon us as a, as a group. Now, listen very, very, very carefully. There was a conscious need, a conscious awareness rather, of the needs of others. But how then will you know that the other has need if you don't know the other? Because they were of one heart and one mind. There's another verse that says, and great grace was upon them all. Right? Everyone say great grace. Great grace upon them all because they were of one heart and one mind. Look at Acts 4.33. With great power... Uh, look at the verse before. All the congregation and those who believed were of one heart and one mind, or one soul. 
and none of them claimed anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to all. Can you see when they live in that culture where they, uh, none regarded the things as his own, but they shared it communally? The next verse tells us the result of this. And the next verse says, And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of our Lord and what was on them. And abundant grace was on some of them. Does it say that? No. It says, and abundant grace was on all of them. You know what my heart is? My heart's desire for us as a church is for us to come into a state of abundant grace, not on some, but abundant grace on every single one of us. We have to think communally. Tell you never think communally. Think communally. We have to think communally. Okay? And when we think communally, you can never think you, yourself, and I, and nobody else. You have to be other, other people focused and other people centered. For you to get to know the needs of another, you have to engage the other. But some of us are not engaging the other. And we're only thinking, we, we're limited in our sphere of associations. Right? We're limited in that. I want to challenge the church. If we are truly going to be a generation of reconciliation and peace, we have to consciously reach out to each other in the house. Right? Now, this is hard talk. It's not an easy message to preach. And I want everyone's concentration. Come, please. You need to be concentrated for this. This is very serious to me. Very, very serious. You know why? Yeah, the rubber meets the road. We can, you can talk pie in the sky until you're blue in the face. But if you see your brother in need, the Bible says, and you have the means to help him, and you don't. You know what John says? How dwelleth the love of God in you? How? Does the love of God reside in you? No way. Right? So I want, I, want us to, I want to encourage you with this. And it says, the last verse says, they met from house to house. I want to encourage you with hospitality. I know from oikos to oikos, from house to, to house. They met in two dimensions. They met in the temple and from house to house. House to house could be a local household of faith like this. Right? We are a house. We are an oikos. But it could also relate to domestic, biological, family dwelling units. Okay? My point being, listen carefully. There was the deliberate engagement of people with the family of God outside the formality of a corporate Sunday morning gathering. There was the deliberate engagement. And that fed into the culture of community upon which abundant grace rested and which allowed the apostles with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. You see, these things don't just happen in a vacuum. You want the apostolic witness to go to another level. Let me just say this. In Durban, who wants the apostolic witness to go to another level? Yes. But it's, it's going to come from households, oikoses, that know the, that know the principle of having all things in, in common. And there's not just small grace, not niggy, niggy, niggy grace. I'm tired of niggy, niggy, niggy grace. I want to, everyone say abundant grace. You know, I prayed desperately out of sheer desperation to the Lord yesterday afternoon. I said, God, I, my grace allotment, it needs to like double overnight. What more can I do? What, what principle am I not observing that may be keeping grace away from me? Let me obey it quickly, God. 
What thing, what more? I want, I want big grace. If from Durban apostolic witness needs to grow, it grows forth from a culture. A culture of community, community, communality. A culture of where I don't regard my house as my house. My money is not my money. It's our money. It's our house. Every resource I have is not mine personally. My mindset, it belongs to the community of the saints of God. And if I'm part of this corporate body and there's a need anywhere, I, it's not a, even a battle for me to adjust things to see how I can help someone. Because you see, you don't just do this. You don't just do this out of and need to comply to what I'm saying. You must do this out of conviction of your heart. And it's born out of the value you place on a brother. It's born out of the value you place on the other. Because if, let's say Rowan is there and Rowan has a need. If I see Rowan as disparate and disconnected from myself, his need will not feature as a priority in me. Because he's not bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. If I see him as bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, guess what? His trial becomes my priority. Who is your brother? Who is your sister? Who is your mother? Who is your father? They asked Jesus that, not so? Says, when, when Jesus, they came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, your mother, your father, your brother are outside looking for you. They couldn't enter the house. You know what Jesus said? Hey, let me redefine family for you. Who is my father? Who is my brother? And Jesus gave the answer. He says, them that do the will of my Father in heaven. That is my brother. There's some of us here that will not think twice to make a huge sacrifice for biological family. But we had pains to make the same sacrifice for spiritual family. When, when the chips are down, it's your true spiritual family that really matters. Biological family is spiritual family if they are in the Lord. Right? But as... as as natural and willing as you are to help natural associations out, even the more would you, should you be to help your spiritual family. Huh? Ask your neighbor, who is your brother? Who is your brother? I want to, you know, there's so much on my heart and time is against me already. Acts 4.46 says, the last part there, verse, and the C, the third part of the verse is, taking their meals together with gladness and with sincerity of heart. In other words, they ate together, right? They ate together. They ate together. And the last verse says, and the Lord, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. I want to stress this. I want to take my time. I don't want to rush this teaching. I would rather just do one point and make sure we're all going to leave you and obey it. I'm suggesting to us, favor is going to rest upon this culture. When God sees it, God says, wow, look, look at these people. No one is regarding anything privately in terms of ownership anymore. It's Although, listen carefully, when God gives you something, it's your house, your car, your bank account, your money. It's yours by all natural account. But you don't possess that or own it. You are simply a steward over that. It's God's things, and you are the steward over what God has given you. Yeah. If it's not yours and God's, you should have no problem releasing it when God says release it, right? 
But if you regard it as your own, you say, there's always this, this tension. But the moment you can bring yourself to say, God, I'm just a steward over this finance. If you ask me to release it, I will. Right? Or that car, or whichever. Someone's, in this congregation, someone sold a car to somebody else just recently, in last week. My car, but not my car. Amen. The need is there, greater, so I, so I, I, I sold the need. I can say this. Terrence needed a wheelchair, broken at the young adults meeting. Someone in this week saw the need, and without consulting anyone, ensure that that need is taken care of. Check the new wheelchair out. A need arose in the house. Someone observed it, got the principle. I can guarantee you, it is more blessed to give. Terrence, are you blessed, bro? Come on, yes or no? Do you know, Terrence, you are blessed? Do you know who is greatly blessed? More than you. The person who gave you that. By biblical... I mean, who, who doesn't get blessed when someone does something for them? Yeah, you bless me, bro. I'll be eating the ceiling, right? But God says, you're blessed, be happy. But guess where the greater blessing hangs on? The person that released the gift to you. On what end of the continuum do you want to be? Do you always want to be on the recipient end and experiencing limiting blessing, or do you want to be on the giving end and say, God, I want to get into the more blessed position. You know what God said to Abraham? I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. You can't be a blessing until you are blessed, right? But I'm saying, based on everything I've taught you the past few weeks, if you're still having issues about whether you are blessed or not, you haven't heard a thing I've said. And I'm saying, you might be in a faith position where you're saying, God, but no breakthrough has come yet. I will ask you what Moses was asked by God. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? What little resource is there in your world that you can administrate at this point in time? For Samson taught us this. He said, for you will do with a little exactly the same as you would do with much. Most people say, I'm waiting for my breakthrough. Oh, Randolph, this word doesn't apply to me because I can't afford to give. There's no person that cannot not afford to give. You're robbing your, yourself. Right? Remember that illustration of the guy who was earning 100 rand and tied faithfully 10 rand? Lord blesses him, he goes to 1,000 rand. He tithes faithfully 100 rand. The Lord blessed him He's earning 10,000 rand. He tithes faithfully 10%, 1,000 rand. Yeah. Then the Lord blessed him with 100,000 rand salary, and he tithed faithfully 10,000 rand. Then the Lord blessed him with 1 million rand salary, and he tithed faithfully 100,000 rand. Then he went to 10 million income, and now he had to give 1 million rand tithe. And he said, no, it was hard to depart with one million rand. And he came to the pastor. He said, pastor, you know, I've been faithful all the years. But it's so hard. It's a lot of money. And the pastor said to him, it's not the absolute amount that counts. It's the principle, not the absolute amount. Be obedient to the principle, not to the amount. And he said, it's hard. So please pray for me. And so I, the pastor tried to persuade him. He said, no, I can't. I can't do this. So pray for me, please. So the, so the pastor asked exactly, what do you want me to pray for? Just pray that I obey the tithe, because this amount is too big. So look, let me pray for you. 
said, Lord, please bring back this man to a place where he was earning a hundred rand a month so we can observe the tithe because at that level he's obedient. Absolute amounts do not impress God. You know that? Relative sums do. God is more impressed by obedience to the principle. Okay, now just watch. Go to, uh, it says, where it says they were taking their bread with gladness of heart and eating their bread with sincerity of heart from house to house. In other words, their house. Everyone say their house. Their house represents the entirety of their resource. Their house was open to others. Right? And it wasn't just about entertainment. It was a real openness to whatever, in whatever way we can have is to, to help you in the same. Now go to Romans chapter 12. I want to speak briefly on being hospitable. Hospitable. Another, uh, we had three miracles. Somebody's university registration fees was paid in last week. Someone got wind of it in this house, paid it. Yeah? In the house. So in, in, this, in two weeks, in, in the space of two weeks, we had three major expressions of this principle being enacted amongst us. Right? You know what? When this grows, and I really want to encourage you, don't, and here's a warning, which I'll explain more fully on Wednesday if we get the time. If you're going to see this and say, wow, I'm going to fleece this context. I'm going to come in as a parasite. If this is the culture, I'm in because my needs are going to be taken care of. And you don't come into this culture with the idea of, let me reciprocate. And you think that you're going to abuse and manipulate the culture to get your needs met, you will be judged. I will demonstrate to you it happened in the book of of Acts. You see, um, I'm not going to parasitically embrace this. I'm going to, like I say, have the mindset, I'm going to be the blessor. Coming in with blessor in mind. And let me just say, as you are faithful, God will take care of your own needs. God will take care of your, your own needs. Also, um, communality or communism, the community of the saints, must be unearthed. By a revelation of the value of your brother. Like I said in the reference to, to Rowan, uh, we see everybody as flesh of our flesh and bone of my bone. And the Bible says, no man ever hates his own flesh. Love your wife, for no man, as you love your own flesh, for no man ever hates his own flesh, Ephesians would say. But similarly in the body of Christ. If, if I see everyone as an essential component of everything I represent, you become an extension of me. You become an extension of me. But if I seek to, to become part of communal culture with a parasitic mindset of fleecing, of manipulating, and simply enjoying the benefits of the culture without ever giving back, there is judgment in this, which I'll demonstrate. I won't have time. It's the Ananias and Sapphira syndrome that happened in the very next chapter. Very next chapter, there's death. I'm thinking, God, chapter 4 is so powerful of X. Why start chapter 5 with death? This is a powerful thing happening, but God's saying, a powerful thing happening, yes, Randolph, but people that in that culture abuse the culture, I take them out. Right? I take them out. I, I extract that mindset or that principle from the corporate culture. Amen? Now, I've appealed to you, part of, 
Part of communality is being hospitable. Hospitable will prevent you landing in hospital. <laughs> host. Everyone say host. host. Come on, tell you, I'm a host. Be the best host you can be. If you walk out this building, you say, Randolph, I got the revelation. You get the revelation of this. You say, Randolph, I'm gonna I don't know everything. I know you're my father in the Lord. I'm just going to listen to you. I'm going to test this thing. I'm going to reach out. Watch. I'm not just going to obey you to have people in my home to socialize and entertain. You see, the kingdom of God, as Mark said, is not eating and drinking per se, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But eating and drinking is an essential part of kingdom culture. It's from the context of eating and drinking, which I will show you, of sitting and having a meal with some, somebody, that divine exchanges happen. Things bust open in the realm of the spirit. Tell your neighbor you can't miss Wednesday. I don't have time to fully decode this now. I'll give you certain examples where I'll illustrate this point to you. Right? But you see, it's not the meal. It's not the eating and drinking. It's what's generated from that culture that is the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, but you can't get righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost without creating that familial family context, okay? So I want us, you know, the, the buzzword for me for the next two weeks, if ever I've heard God, how many people love me here? Some of you are hesitating. <laughs> right? How many people know that I hear the word of the Lord for you? I'm not, being, I'm not trying to boost myself up. I'm going to illustrate a point. I know I, heard, I hear the Lord. But I'm trying to help you. If I say to you, God is saying to this corporate church, get this culture right. And Gate Ministries, Durban Central, you will not even have to pray for some things. I will send favor. Abundant grace will be on you all. And great apostolic witness to the testimony of the Lord will be on earth from this place. Amen. Right? How good, Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity or oneness. It is like the dew from Hermon, from the north that flows to the hills of Zion. It's like the oil on Aaron's head, pure on his beard, that went to his garments, even to the edge of his skirts. For there the Lord commands a blessing. Even life forevermore. Life forevermore. Life is Zoe life in the Greek. Right? The Hebrew equivalent of Zoe in the Greek. It means the life of God will be in that place. It's like automatic. You don't pray for it. It's commanded blessing. Right? And so I want to encourage you to be hospitable. Right? But create the context. And when you invite, let's say, somebody to, to your house, you are saying, I am building, court. you must think like this, brethren. Don't, let me just say also, don't count the cost. Don't count the finance. You get your heart right about this. God will give you the resource to host people. Yes, Even if you're going to have a madumbi <laughs> with a glass of water, start there if that's all you have. But God sees your hearts. Yes. He's not looking at what you put on the table. Amen. He's seeing your hearts. Because some of us are standing aloof. And we're saying, uh, another thing Randolph wants us to do. You haven't got the revelation. Yes, yes, yes. 
Do the little I tell you to do from a sincere heart and see what God does. Get a Madumbi if you have to. A Maguenyan. It doesn't take much to make a Maguenyan. Some flour, oil. Come to me, I'll give you the recipe. Some oil. Some jam on your Maguenyan. Some water. Invite Marion to a, to a meal. Say, Marion, this is all I can afford. But see my heart. I want to get to know you, my sister. You are bone of my bone. You are flesh of my flesh. How on earth can we express communism unless we create culture for that to happen? We are the biggest hypocrites saying we are family, family, family. But in practice, we don't do it. Only biological family takes priority in my mind. But this family, where the favor resides, is secondary to our priorities. Ask our children. The, the question every week is, who's coming this week? That's all they want to know is, who will be here on Sunday? They know the culture. And you know when we started, and they can be me witness, it was hard. We raked out the very last bits of finance we got to create the meal. But God has not let us down. And you know, we, just, we, we only unearth the need in the other by virtue of creating this, this culture. This culture. And don't be prejudiced. Look around you. We have all races represented here. Can I be frank? Can I be honest with you? Most of you are racist. You might not agree with me and say, Randolph said we're racist. But let me just say this to you. You think racially. You're racist in terms of your, 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 the manner in which you, you decode your thinking reference to the other is racially configured. Some of you in this congregation will never invite some other people because they're members of a race, not of your own. If you're only inviting your own, you're demonstrating you are a natural man and you're not a spiritual man. If there's any, an inkling of prejudice in your heart, you've disqualified yourself from this community I'm talking about. You see, we're not a multicultural, multiracial church. Those are secular terms. Look around, I mean, there's all sorts here, right? We're like a brayani here. We're like a, what they call it, licorice all sorts. All sorts in this packet. Right? And I'm saying to you, when I see James and Marshall there, I don't see white gentlemen. Or Carol. I don't see a white female of European descent. Right? Or I see Maggie. I don't see, there's an Indian lady of, of Asian descent. When I see uh, uh, OG there. And Zimas, I don't say these are our brothers, but they are of Zulu. The moment you reference their descent, you've disqualified yes. yourself. Yes. You've got to train yourself and say, Randolph is not a colored pastor. Yes. Right? You've got to train yourself not to think according to natural, natural standards. You are not mature if when James walks in, the first thing in your mind is a white brother. You are not mature. Is, is, is if you reference OG and say a black brother, or you think of Mark and say Indian brew, right? Or if you think of Andy and say colored, or whatever you are, right? <laughs> you, look, you look like everything packaged in one. Right? I can talk to him like that because he knows my heart, right? 
The moment, let me just say this, brethren. The moment you think sectarianly, you automatically have disqualified yourself from this level of favor I am talking about. The Bible says, Paul says, from henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. We know no man after the flesh. Yes? If we're truly going to be, you see, you know, I love the song we sang, right? Let us be a generation of reconciliation and, and peace. A nice song. But it must become more than a song. It must become a living reality amongst us. And you know what the Bible says? You know most, what, what most of you are going to do right now as we leave? You're going to say, some of you, not all of you, right? Some of you think like this. Well, I'm going to obey this word, right? So talk to my husband. Who can we have over for dinner or for supper? Right? We get on Madumbi, we get on Maguinyan, whatever. All I'm saying is, listen, by the way, don't go now get Maguinyans and Madumbis, right? I, I use the illustration to say, whatever you have, use it. But make it the best Madumbi anybody has ever had in their life, if that's all you have. Make it the best Maguinya. Right? If you don't have a tablecloth to cover your table, you wipe it clean as best as you can. It's, you, you, you make the context fit for a king. But no, don't go into expenses to have the people over. You make that environment as best as you can at the level that you are at. You know what, you know what makes the environment? Not things. Things are important, right? But it's the attitude of your heart that people will remember. Say, so we didn't have a nice chair, but hey, what warmth. What koinonia, what fellowship, what, what understanding, right? And a lot of people will think like this. I'm only going to invite the people that I anticipate will be a blessing to me. You know, they, now then you're worse off, right? <laughs> Let me challenge you. Don't invite people and your, your motivation for inviting them is, wow, these people have got something I need. Let me come, because they must know my need. Because they're in a position to supply. And please don't drop hints. Don't be a hint dropper. If your need is to be disclosed, disclose, disclose the need. Right? But God will know your heart, and God will respond to you. Okay? Let me challenge you. How about inviting someone you know is in no condition to reciprocate to you? In fact, they are no condition to be a blessing to you at any point. But your heart is, I'm going to position myself to bless you. You know what the Bible says? 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 12. Okay? Is everybody happy? When I say you're racist, I mean to myself. Randolph is racist too. And I'm saying to God, you know, I pray to God, Lord, help me not to judge or, or to, to have a, a racially configured mindset. Train my mind to whenever I see someone not to regard their physicality first. The Bible says from now we know no man after the, after the flesh. You know, we, you know we, none of us will ever realize how badly scarred we were from the apartheid regime. We are all messed up. All of us are involved. Tell you never we're all involved, right? So when I said you're a racist, I'm a racist too. I said, God, help my racism. Deliver me from racism. When I see someone, I must see their value. Not behold the person after the flesh. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor, nor Greek. Or Jew nor Gentile. Bond nor free. Okay? Male nor, nor female. But of twain, he has made one new man. Right? He has made one new man. Okay? 
Now, okay, I won't have time to illustrate this further. But can you hear the Spirit of the Lord? Are you hearing me, brethren? Are you hearing God, rather? Yeah, hearing the Lord. Hearing the Lord. The body is one, verse 12, of 1 Corinthians 12. Yet as many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Many-membered body is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body. Where the Jews or Greeks, where the slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one Spirit. Everyone say one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Many-membered body. One body, many members. If the foot says, because I am not the hand, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason any of the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not the eye, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were the eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were the hearing, where would be the sense of smell? But now God has placed members, each of them, in the body as He desired. And by the way, so, uh, some of you, if you had your way, would say, why is that person next part of this body? Not your decision, Right? God put people here, and let me just say this, God put this complement of people here to test you. Yeah? Some people will work you up the wrong way, but guess what? They are your test for you to mature in that area. So you must thank God for everybody. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of you are my test. God told me this a long time. I was complaining before the Lord about person X. So no, I've allowed them to be part of your church so I can develop a fatherly love in your heart. You've got to love unconditionally. Right? Part of your test. But now God is placing the members, each one of them, just in the body, just as He desired. If there were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, not one body. I'm getting to a point. Watch. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And again to the, the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, watch, which seem, where the key word is seem, they're not, but they seem. They seem to be weaker are all the more necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on those we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacks. In God's priority, if there's in your mind a weaker member among us, and notice, I like the words, they seem, they're not, but they seem to you less honorable. It says, let me make this plain. If there's anybody in this house which you think by your opinion or by your estimate, they are the less honorable in the group. They are the weaker in the group. You know what should your responsibility be? You bestow upon them the greater honor. So I want to encourage you, when you think hospitality, initially think on whom, based upon my estimation, is the weaker or the less honorable. I'm going to show them how they are honored by my invitation. I will accord them the dignity of kings when I invite them. And I will bless them. Yeah? 
Tell your neighbor, your new name is host. If you need to take a course in hospitality, do that. But become the best host you can be. You know, I, I got a new revelation. We've always been hospitable. And those of you who've been in our home, you know that. I promised all the new people, I, we've got to line up. And I haven't got to people like Yvette and others yet, and even the Lawton family. But we've got like a little roster. We need, we're having people literally to get, to get to you. I promise you I will get to you in the course of time. Okay? And you know, when, when I'm saying to myself, God said, Randolph, think host. Think host. God said this to me this morning. If you host my people, I will host you. You demonstrate my hostness to my people. I will create environments on a different platform for you where I will host you. Tell your neighbor my new name is Host. Host Jaden. Jaden Host, whatever you're in a boo. <laughs> host Marion. Marion's going to be the best host she can ever be. Huh? With limited resources, put a display on. And let me just say this, make the sacrifice. I want to say, please catch this word. This is a word from God. God is saying, you host my people, I will host you. You host my people, I will host you on platforms you've never even dreamed about. Right? Favor, will, favor will rest upon you. Train my boys. Last year they were out in Cape Town taking all the pastor's children for an outing. Matthew got this thing about getting all the pastor's kids together. So people like Gordon's children and some other part, and they went out. When we were at the alias in Cape Town, he did the same. They were all there. He came to me, he said, Dad, all these kids are here, the pastor's kids. Pastors are having meals like every time we meet. He said, I want to take these out. So I said to him, yeah, go for it. So what do I do? I said, here's my credit card. You pay. I told him, you pay for the meal. What am I training my son to do? I said, you host them. You I will not require you to do something that I will not give you the resources to do that as your father. So I'm instructing you. You are my son. You host the people and you pay for the, for the bull, right? And what God said to me, that very instant I did that, God said to me, that's exactly what I will do to you. As your father, you position yourself to host. I will give you my credit card to host the nations. To host the nations. I blindly took a, a bold step. I text Dr. Trine. I said, if you will agree to come to the ALS in Johannesburg, I will pay for your flights. I'll pay for a five-star accommodation for you. All your transport arrangements will be taken. I said exactly the same thing to Pastor Lafoy. I said, if you agree to come, the entirety of all your travel costs will be on me. And only after I sent it, ish. You know, the sweat starts running now. Oh, where the, what if they say, yes, and where will all this money come from? Huh? Dr. Trine said an apology. He says, thanks, but he's got another prior commitment. Pastor Foy hasn't responded yet. Then I showed my wife. I said, see, what I committed myself to do. She said, ish. But you know, all I'm saying to you, you position yourself to host. God says, no problem. I'll give you the card. Huh? I will give you the ability to. To host. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Then it says, so are you going to bestow more honor on the less, lesser members? Right? And you build into the common, you build into love and see what the Lord does. One more verse quickly. 
so that there may be no division in the body, but the members have the, watch, same care for one another. The same care for one another. I'm going to pray a prayer, but I need to give you the scripture. Just one verse of scripture. 2 Corinthians 8, 16. King James Version. 2 Corinthians 8, 16. I'm going to read this. I'm going to ask you to stand. Pray a very bold prayer of impartation of a community configuration upon the congregation. Amen. Thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. What Paul is saying, he's writing to the Corinthians. Paul is saying, Corinthians, I care for you as your father in the Lord. But there's the son of mine next to me. His name is Titus. Hey, when I checked how Titus operates in reference to you, Corinthians, this guy, for you, he has what? He has earnest care in his heart. It's not just earnest care, it's the, the when Paul uses the word same, he's saying exactly how I feel about you, Corinthians. My son feels exactly the same. The care I have for you, Corinthians, Titus has ex- it, it doesn't deviate from the quality of care he will bestow for you. It's exactly the same as mine. But here's the thing. Where did Titus get the care from? Who put the care in his heart? Check, check the verse. Who put it there? Come on, talk to me, church. Paul, I mean, Paul as a spiritual father, and you know, God brought me into rest. God's saying, Randolph, you declare it and step back. I'm going to do it. I will put care into the hearts. You see, it's not Paul that put the care into the heart of Titus. Paul's hands are easy in thanksgiving mode, right? Where's Paul's hands? Thanks. He said, thanks be, he's happy as a father. Thanks be to God. Oh, Corinthians, the Lord did some surgery, heart surgery on Titus. He ripped his heart open. He downloaded some care supernaturally. I believe earnest care can, is impartable. Who's ready for this? The members have the same care one for another. You know what John says? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Love each other. It'll be my happiest day when I lift my hands to my father and say, Wow, thank you, Father. You put the same care into the heart of everyone. Who's ready for open heart surgery? I'm telling you, brethren. Uh, Let me close by saying this. This is going to be the greatest activator for favor. When this God sees this. So can you promise me something before we pray? Are you going to get to know each other? Are you going to care one for the other? Do you know a requirement for eldership? One of the requirements is, it says an elder must be hospitable. Goes with the fund. Any leader of people has got to be hospitable. Okay? And he who desires the office of an elder desires a noble work. It's no work of nobility. Amen. So I'm going to pray. And I want every one of us, young and old, to be attentive for this prayer. Put your pads away. Lift your hands as we stand. It's going to be a prayer of impartation. Like I said, this was a very difficult message to release. But I'm saying it's the most powerful factor to activate corporate favor. Where grace is abundant, not on one or two of us. I'm declaring a new era of an abundance of the grace of God. 
upon a whole community of people. Hmm? I'm going to practice hosting to a level that I've never ever. I'm going to raise even the quality of my dishes. If I invite someone and say, God, not that we have a less quality. Those who know my, my, my wife's mutton curry, right? You've never tasted anything else like that in Durban yet, right? And I'm saying, we're going we're gonna to take it to another level. It's not about what you prepare. It's about what you're communicating to the person that you're inviting. Say, so I value you. Even if it's a madumbi, it's the best madumbi in Durban. You'll never get another madumbi like this anywhere. To bless. You know what the Bible says? Jesus said, even if you give a glass of water, Jesus said this, you give a glass of water to a little child in my name, so long as you do it in my name, reflective of my nature. He said, you have done it unto me. You do it to each other. You are serving the Lord. You are not just inviting Jeremy and Caroline. You're not just inviting a young couple. You're saying, I sit with you every week. I don't know a thing about you. How then can we be family? You say, I want to invite you. But in, in my invitation, I got no other agenda than to show how I honor you in Christ. How I value you. How I love you. And as I minister to you, I am ministering to Christ. You give a glass of water, but it's in his name. Jesus said, you've served me. So let's lift our hands for the impartation. Hmm? Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands. Open your hearts. I want to pray a very simple prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We've read in your word how that in the early church, a spirit of community upon the early church opened favor and an abundant grace upon everyone with no exception. And with great power, your apostles gave witness of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from a culture of community, love, covenant, confederacy, loving environments. I ask that the sense of awe, by virtue of what you're going to do, that was on the early church will be on us in the name of the Lord. We open our hearts to you, everyone lift your hearts up. More than your hands, lift your hearts up. Father, I pray that as you open the heart of Titus and you put into his heart the same earnest care that Paul had for the Corinthians, do the same for us. For those of us that are already caring for people in this fashion, deepen the care. Make it more sincere without hypocrisy, without false agenda, false motivation. Make it the sincerest expression of your heart in and through us, God. Put earnest care in our hearts one for, for the other. Put a love that we have never known before in our hearts one for the other. Take away racism. Help us not to see each other after their racial background. Help us to see each other after Christ. One new man in you. Forgive us of our prejudice. Forgive us of all forms of prejudice. We repent of this in Jesus' name. Forgive us of selfishness. Father, we repent today. We repent of our self-centeredness. We repent of only thinking limitedly. We repent of this God. I ask in Jesus' name, O oh God, that right now, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, 
you would come and impart the spirit of community to everyone in this house. I pray love, care would well up inside of us. Uh, you break independence. You break selfishness, self-centeredness. Help us to think communally. Let communality be a, a, a feature of this house. I pray for this house would love one for the other. And as a result, let your blessing be commanded in this home. In every home, in every domestic dwelling, I decree the favor of the Lord will be your portion. Help us also, Father, to give greater honor to the less honorable parts. And those that seem weaker, to bestow greater honor. I pray, O oh God, keep our hearts pure. That you would extract every spirit that will seek to, 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 to abuse this culture for their own personal uh, agendas. That you would keep us pure, keep this context unsoiled, untainted, keep it holy. This is a holy community of the body of Christ. I declare that we have one mind. I declare that we have one heart. There are no separate hearts. We are all one corporate heart in the Lord. I ask, oh God, that uh, for those of us who are inclined and whose hearts are open, right now I pray, give resource to even to host people above levels that they've ever contemplated. For some of you, I prophesy, I hear the Lord. The Lord says, for some of you, your hosting has pleased Him already, and now position yourself to host kings and rulers in authority. Position yourself to host people of pedigree, because you have favored the dust in Zion, and you've shown pleasure to the stones. Now declares the Lord, my time to favor you has come. The set time to, to favor you is upon you, declares the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.